The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, October 15, 2023, on the basis of Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. No one wants to admit that they live in an echo chamber. An echo chamber is where you only hear one set of facts, one set of viewpoints on a particular issue, and another set of facts and the opposite viewpoints are deliberately shut out. And of course, it's always the other guy that's living in the echo chamber. We've considered this issue from all possible angles. We've done our research thoroughly. We don't have any blind spots or biases. Nobody wants to admit that they are living in an echo chamber. But here's the thing. As much as no one wants to admit that they are living in an echo chamber, everyone wants to live in an echo chamber. There is a reason why this phenomenon exists in our world. There is a reason, for example, why cable news outlets and social media platforms seem to just feed you endlessly the same set of facts and the same set of viewpoints and at times make it seem almost impossible to even find the opposite set of facts and the opposite viewpoints on a particular issue. They, of course, just want to get and to keep your attention for as long as they possibly can, and they know that they can do that by using echo chambers. Because echo chambers fuel something that deep down as human beings we very much desire. You see, deep down, we want to see that information and those viewpoints that agree with what we already believe. And we want to ignore that information and those viewpoints that contradict or conflict with what we believe. And that's because deep down, in the worst possible way, we want to be right. And if that's something that can happen in the kingdoms of this earth very easily, it is also something that can happen very easily in the kingdom that Jesus rules, what the Bible calls the kingdom of heaven. I mean, if we want to be right about things like border policies and inflation causes and COVID-19 and a war in Ukraine and now a war also in the Middle East, if we want to be right about things like that, just think how much we want to be right about God and about eternity and about where we stand in relationship to them both. And so it is very easy for us to form spiritual echo chambers. And doing so isn't difficult at all. We form our position on any particular spiritual issue. We can find all kinds of Bible passages, all kinds of quotes from Jesus that support the view that we hold. And because the Bible is so big and so vast, it is actually very easy to just conveniently ignore all of those other Bible passages that seem to be saying maybe something a little bit different. It's quite possible and, in fact, quite easy for us to form spiritual echo chambers and then invite Jesus to join us inside. And maybe why, that's why the section of God's Word that's in front of us this morning is so very valuable. These verses address a spiritual matter that is really at the heart of what the Bible tells us about God. They address the issue of how a person comes to become a member of the kingdom of God and how they come to spend eternity in that kingdom. 
And on that very issue, if we were to formulate an answer that is both complete and correct and, and well-rounded, we would need to make sure we are taking into account every possible thing that the Bible says about that issue. And yet here in these short verses, in this one little parable, we get the whole picture. In this one little parable, it makes, us, it, makes it impossible for us to form a spiritual echo chamber about this most important issue. It makes it impossible for us to form a simplistic opinion in our desire to be right. And so as we take a look at these verses this morning, we're going to see that if you really just want to be right, if you want to live in your own spiritual echo chamber, well, then you better not let Jesus in. Now, the very first word that we should probably pay attention to is the word again, as in Jesus spoke to them again in parables. In fact, this parable is the last in a series of three parables that Jesus told the religious leaders of his day. So two weeks ago, we heard the first parable. There was a father who had two sons who invited them both to come and work in his vineyard. The first son said no, but then ended up going. The second son said yes, but then didn't follow through. And Jesus' message to the religious leaders with that parable was that the people of his day, people like the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they were like the first son in that parable. And so they were actually getting into the kingdom of heaven ahead of the religious leaders. It was sort of like a, a sharp little jab to the nose by Jesus. Then last week we heard the second parable. There was an owner of a vineyard who rented out his vineyard to tenants. But those tenants didn't want to give the owner the fruit that his vineyard produced. In fact, they killed the messengers that the master sent. They even killed the master's own son. And Jesus' message at the end of that parable was that eventually Jesus would take away what had been given to those religious leaders and give it to somebody else. Another sharp little jab by Jesus right to the nose. Now this third parable. This time, a king is having a wedding banquet for his son. And he invites all of his best friends. And they all RSVP, yes, they're excited to go. But then when all the preparations have been made and the king sends out word that it's time to come to the feast, suddenly they're not interested anymore. One has some work to do out in his field. The other has some business that he needs to attend to. And so none of them come. Still others, once again, kill the king's messengers. And so the king is irate. The king sends an army to destroy their city. And then the king says to his servants, go out and invite anyone that you can find. Anyone and everyone. Good, bad, it doesn't matter. All are welcome to my feast. And so at last, the king's wedding banquet is full. Boom. A massive uppercut right to the jaw. Jesus deals the knockout blow. Or at least we might imagine that some of those people who were at that point following Jesus, those tax collectors and prostitutes, they might have seen it that way. Some of those people that the religious leaders liked to belittle and to shame. And the very same thing can happen in our day. It is entirely possible to formulate an opinion that what's really wrong with Jesus' church these days is people who are exactly like those religious leaders. People who think that they get into Jesus' kingdom based on something about who they are. People who come up with some sort of moral standard that they, of course, very much live up to. 
A moral standard that allows them to think that they are better than everyone else. A moral standard that allows them to think that anybody else that doesn't live up to it quite the way that they do has no place in the kingdom of God. And see, look at what Jesus does. He goes absolutely scorched earth on people like that. Jesus teaches that all are welcome in his kingdom. No one is left out. All are invited. And so Jesus very much opposes people who think that they get into his kingdom based on who they are. And he does. It is entirely possible to form a spiritual opinion just like that and to cite Jesus in support of that opinion. It is entirely possible to form that spiritual echo chamber and invite Jesus in. If that's where the parable ended. But it isn't. So the wedding banquet is all full. All have been invited and the guests have come. But then the king does something kind of strange. He had invited absolutely everyone, no matter who they, they are, but then he walks around the room and inspects everyone to make sure that they're up to snuff. And when he does, he finds that there is one guest who is not wearing the proper wedding attire. Yes, he had accepted the king's invitation and he had come to the banquet, and yet when he walked through the door, he didn't think that he needed to change clothes. He was exactly the same inside the king's banquet as he had been outside the king's banquet. And the king was just as mad at him. He doesn't go over to him and sort of quietly and, and discreetly usher him to the door. I'm sorry, you're, you're going to have to leave. No, he orders his servants to bind him hand and foot and to chuck him outside of the wedding banquet, out of all of the joy and the laughter inside the wedding hall, out into the weeping and the agony of the darkness. And so now I wonder what those tax collectors and those prostitutes thought. Maybe they were about ready to pile on to those religious leaders. Maybe they were about ready to drop a few spiritual elbows of their own as they lay there on the ground. Not anymore. In fact, maybe some of those religious leaders, when they heard the last part of the parable, they were ready to, to kind of stand back up and sort of stagger over to those tax collectors and prostitutes and t start taking a couple of swings of their own. It is entirely possible to formulate a spiritual opinion that says that what's really wrong with today's church is that there are people who are just like that man who refuse to wear those wedding clothes. People who are completely abandon all of God's standards. People who think that absolutely anything goes. People who are ready to dispense of any objective definition of right and wrong. People think that their, who think that their membership in Christ's kingdom will not require them to change in any way whatsoever. Who think that they can think exactly what they thought before and live and act exactly the way they thought before even after they come into Christ's kingdom. And see, look, Jesus pulls the rug out of their feet just as well. Jesus demonstrates that entering his kingdom will require a major change in us. And so Jesus also opposes those who think that they can come into his kingdom exactly how they are. And he does. He really does. It is entirely possible to formulate that spiritual opinion and find all kinds of words of Jesus that will back you up. It is entirely possible to form that spiritual echo chamber and invite Jesus 
right in. If not for that first part of the parable, which there was. You see, no matter what spiritual echo chamber we might be in, we better not invite Jesus to come inside. Because no matter what it is, he is going to end up tearing down its walls, just as he does with the two halves of this parable. And in fact, after he does that, after he tears down the walls of that echo chamber, he reveals that these two seemingly opposite ideas are actually quite very similar. In the first part of the story, Jesus had said that those initial invited guests did not deserve to come to his wedding banquet. And when Jesus said that, he wanted us to picture two weights that are placed on opposite sides of a scale to see if they balance out with one another. And so Jesus is saying that the nature of his wedding banquet and the nature of those initial invited guests did not balance out. Well, already we've seen that the nature of Jesus' wedding banquet is that everyone gets invited. But those initial invited guests, they wanted to play by different rules. They wanted to believe that they had been invited because there was something special about them. It's really no surprise that they turned down the invitation to a wedding to go pull weeds in the field and to go answer emails in the office. It's not because those things are more fun. It's because those are the kinds of activities that allow a person to prove that there's something special about them. But getting invited to a wedding where everyone else is invited to doesn't. And in the second half of that parable, we need to pay special attention to the response of the man who got called out by the king. When it was found that he wasn't wearing the proper wedding clothes, he didn't say, look, this is the best I have. I couldn't afford anything better. No, he's silent. He refuses to wear the wedding clothes that the king wanted him to wear. He insists that there's nothing about him that needs to change, that he is worthy to be inside this banquet hall exactly the way that he is. And so both those who refused the invitation at the beginning and the one who refused to change at the end were really exactly the same. They were exactly the same, and we are exactly the same, along with all people who have ever lived who are also exactly the same. Deep down, in the worst possible way, we want to be right. We want to be convinced that we are right, not just factually and philosophically about matters that pertain to this earth, but spiritually and morally as well. And so that's why we too might sort of turn up our noses at the king's invitation to come and to feast on all of the wonderful gifts that he provides to us. An invitation that goes out to absolutely everyone, good and bad. That's why we might turn up our noses at that invitation in favor of other invitations that we receive to spend our time and spend our energy doing things that give us a chance to prove there's something special about us. It's why we also might insist that even after we enter Jesus' kingdom, we get to think the way that we want to think, and we get to live the way that we want to live, and no one, including the king, has the right to insist otherwise. Jesus tears down the walls of all of those spiritual echo chambers, and in the process, he reveals that the sound bouncing around those walls was really identical all along.
which means that Jesus' actual voice will always sound different. If we're willing to listen to both halves of this parable, not just one and not just the other, if we're willing to take into account everything that Jesus says, instead of essentially positioning ourselves as his ventriloquist, where we sort of make him say the things that are really our words, if we're willing to listen to what Jesus actually says, he will always sound different. The solution that Jesus points us to in this parable is not that all moral standards should be abandoned. It's not that there is no definition of right and wrong. It's not that we should have a king who doesn't care about sin and who isn't holy. At the very same time, the solution that Jesus points us to in this parable is not that we should get busy stitching, stitch by stitch, our own set of spiritual clothing that makes us worthy to be in the wedding feast. No, Jesus' voice, the voice that we call the gospel, will always be different from both. And we heard exactly what that gospel is in today's second reading from Romans chapter 1. There Paul told us that the gospel reveals to us that true righteousness that we so desperately crave. That moral and spiritual rightness that all of us need is revealed to us in the gospel and Paul says it is a righteousness that is by faith. From first to last. From beginning to end. The wedding clothes that make us worthy to be a part of the wedding feast are not ones that we need to stitch. Instead, from the very first stitch to the very last button, those wedding clothes were provided to us by Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself is the wedding garment. It's his perfection that covers up every single impure thought, word, and deed that has ever come from us. It's his sacrifice on the cross that paid the tab for our meal at the wedding banquet Jesus has invited us to. That voice, that gospel, isn't always going to be what we want to hear. Sometimes it might feel like, like a sharp jab in the nose from Jesus. And yet it's always what we need to hear. Whether we put ourselves in a, a spiritual echo chamber where all standards of morality are forgotten, or the one where everyone needs to prove themselves worthy to be a part of Jesus' feast, Jesus isn't going to wait for us to come out of those echo chambers ourselves. Instead, he, with his voice, with his gospel call, he will always do everything he can to find us. And so rather than you inviting Jesus into the spiritual echo chamber where you already are, instead listen to his voice where he calls you into his wedding hall. Amen.